Buongiorno tutti e buon anno. Hello, everyone, and happy, happy new year. Buon anno, happy new year to everyone around the world who has listened to us for the past year and a half. Thank you, thank you very much. We hope this new year's was wonderful for you as it was for us. And benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italiano. My name's Kimberly Holcomb, and I am with Tommaso. See. See. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Yes. And quickly, we'll just tell you that we are recording in a hotel room in Milano at the Grand Hotel Ede Milan. It's a lovely, beautiful, historic hotel right down the street from La Scala, one of Europe's most famous opera houses. And we will go into great detail in an upcoming episode about this hotel and the history. But we do want to share that our first episode of 2023, we are recording in this beautiful suite with a bottle of Prosecco that they left for us. We're in Milano. What a better place to be. Right down the street from the heart of opera in the world, La Scala. Correct. And another 50 meters after that is Galleria Vittorio Emanuele and the Duomo. So what an evening we're going to have walking around after we finish this recording. And yes, and we'll talk about it in the future. We're right across the street from where I bought Kimberly a wonderful Loro Piana shawl and my first Xenia suit. (laughs) (laughs) Memories. Memories. We arrived here in Milano today from Luca, the ancient walled city down in Tuscany, where we spent our New Year's Eve. And for us, it was absolutely perfect. The lovely hostess that owns the little casa where we stayed for a few days left us a bottle of champagne there. So we drank champagne. We walked around beautiful Luca at night, all decorated. Lights lining the streets. I mean, just simple, simple little lights, three strips going down the street, house to house. They're not even really streets. They're sidewalks, basically. Well, the cars do come down them. Occasionally. But it was so lovely, so festive, and so perfect for our idea of the perfect New Year's Eve. It was. And I won't get into why the day was so perfect, but it had something to do with a pasta lunch that we had. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll be addressing that later. (laughs) Right. There we go. Welcome to the first episode of 2023. We last left you in Chernobyl in episode 77. We went to Chernobyl for a few days on Lago di Como, and we left you on maybe our second full day in that adorable little village. So what did we do our second day? We woke up sunshine galore. I know, and Weather Underground had it raining, raining, raining. Right? But it They've was sunshine. they off on the uh, predictions, I will say. Today was the first day. Right now in Milano, it's raining, and that's about the only time other than our very first day in Copenhagen. Right. So we've been very molto fortunato. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so on this beautiful, sunshiny day, we walked around again. And the first thing we decided to do was revisit the scene of Tommaso's famous <laughs> riposo. That means like a little lay down, lie down, under the arched kind of arcade at the world-famous 
Harry's Bar. So it was maybe only like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and we went to the arcade, and there are now hedges that have grown quite tall in front of that bench where you were horizontal. I wasn't, I was, I was sitting up. I wasn't laying on the bench. You eventually were in a horizontal frame, I, I believe. No, no. Oh. Mm. I just fell asleep sitting up and the waiter from Harry's bar grabbed a couple of cushions and came over and saved my neck from <laughs> being in a very bad position for an hour. I thought Mickey found you completely horizontal snoozing away. No, no, okay. no, no. Well, we went there, and since the hedges are now grown, we couldn't really see over it. So I went on tiptoe, and I looked over. I was like, what? There were about 12, 14 older locals hanging out. Some of them brought their own chairs. It's so warm and toasty right? and sunny. It's this little private corner off to the side. If you're looking at the front entrance of Harry's Bar and Restaurant, off to the side behind the hedges, since they're now tall, these locals know to go there on a sunny day. And it was warm by our standards. It was still un po' for them. However, 10, 12, 14 people, and they're hanging out. And when we looked at them, they're like, oh, que cosa. And so I took a photo and the one in, or a little video and one of the gentlemen saying, what, what, it's a beautiful day. I was like, I know, a guri. <laughs> so it was awesome. They had their cafe and their dogs hanging out. So there you have it. You weren't the only person. To fall asleep there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to know that it's such a sweet, Nap, sweet little napping, spot. Napping spot. So after we walked around the boat dock and took in our fill of that beautiful view heading north up the lake, we decided to have a second cappuccino, or as you call it in Milano and Chernobyl, cappuccio. You can really only call a cappuccino a cappuccio up north. So we had our second cappuccio in this stunning, very like old world, old school, beautiful cafe that I didn't recall being there. So I asked the barista, how long have you been here? He said, ah, da aprile. They opened in April. And we realized they're part of a very high-end, like floral designer garden company in Como, maybe the, Milano. The whole, the whole interior was painted like a um, an English garden almost. Yes, Yes, it was floral. It was stunning. It was, again, very old school. The furthest thing from contemporary you could get. The capucho was delicious. Everything. It was just lovely. So from there, we went back to take a boat heading north on the lake to visit a few properties, one of which is an old private villa that has recently been renovated to perfection. But this trip is not only a vacation for us. We're visiting a few of these properties, hotels, managers, etc. of all these places um, that I have sent clients to and befriended these managers and various people via email and had yet to meet them in person. And also new properties that we ha- that you haven't sent anyone to yet that hopefully we'll be sending people in the future. Exactly. So we saw a few of these on Lago di Como and it was fantastic. And on top of it, the sun was shining. So all (laughs) the pictures and video I took, it was just idyllic. And at this private villa that recently opened, 
they offered us, after a very long tour of the properties, various buildings, the incredible gardens, they offered us an aperitivo. Afterward, just ourselves and we went into this... Which we were forced to accept. Oh, yes. (laughs) Actually, we turned it down at the beginning. At the beginning. And then after we strolled the gardens for a while and took more video, when we went to say goodbye to the lovely young woman that gave us a tour, she said, Per favore, fate un aperitivo. Va bene, okay. Of course. So we did. Forced ourselves. And it was just us in this stunning, beautiful... Everything is so well done, so tasteful, so unique in this entire property, including the bar. So we thought it was only appropriate to have an Aperol spritz. There you go. Because it was sunny, it felt festive, and then this lovely young Brazilian bartender made us the Aperol spritz. It was so multilingual. Yes, I know. Actually, every person we met there was very young. All of them spoke many languages. They were so engaging, upbeat, very, very friendly. They were not, they did not come across as a, as a, you know, kind of... Um, a little a little too stiff. They weren't stiff. That's what I mean. Exactly. They, they, they weren't. It was Often, very Oftentimes places at a certain price level yes. can be a little bit tight. Yes. So we had, we're drinking our beautiful spritz and all of a sudden a young man came out with a tray of you know, little tidbits for us to taste. Well, it was aper- aperitivo. It was indeed an aperitivo like no other. There was brasala for mm-hmm. Tommaso, mm-hmm. a bit of prosciutto as mm-hmm. well, I believe. For me, not that they knew this, but I ate the fried, lightly fried zucchini flowers. Dio mio. <laughs> I love them so much and they were so probably the best I've ever had. And there was olives, you said, were unlike any olive you had yes, ever the tasted. Olives were beautiful. It was just lovely. And then, oh no, we have to catch the boat. That's the beauty of Lago di Como. It's so easy to get the boat, but in the winter months, you have to pay attention to the time schedule. Yes. They have fewer boats and it's primarily in the commuter hour for the local people that live there that need to get to work, to Como and reverse. Some of the people we met at this villa lived in Como and commuted up there. So we finished our delicious, delicious aperitivo and went at a pretty good clip down this hill to catch the boat. We saw it coming. We saw that very, very old dock master kind of see us out of the side of his eye. And did he care? No. No. The boat took off right as we were, you know, within touching distance. And there was a family of about six English people with a few babies, like a stroller, and the rest were being held. And the same thing happened to them. So we all stood there like, and the dock master didn't look at us. He walked into his little, what would you call that, little boat station house. Mm-hmm. He walked in, he looked out the little window, and, and whoosh, closed the shade. Closed the shade down. <laughs> Probably took a nap. <laughs> He's not your typical friendly Italian. He just thought, oh, I don't want to work extra hard today. Nope. So I'm just going to close the shade and wait the 45 minutes until the next boat. 
So I suggested to the English family, there's a little bar, little local bar right behind the restaurant that was closed. And we all went in and we had had such a lovely day. We decided to have another Aperol spritz. Mm -hmm. They did as well. And the father had like a double espresso. (laughs) (laughs) I heard him order that and I laughed and he turned around and he goes, look at these kids. I need it. (laughs) So that was really a... Nice way to meet some new people. They were from England, staying in Milano. They took the train to Como, then the boat up there. They were trying to make the most of a free day with three young kids, and they were really, really nice. But also, they almost missed the boat back. Kimberly turned around. Yes, I did. Kimberly went back in and got them because the next boat wasn't for another hour. Well, they And they still had to take a train back to Milano. Exactly. They saw... And we we do know this now from our train experience, which I'll share in a minute. They just looked at the schedule and it said the next boat to Como was another 40 minutes later. They didn't know that the next boat that we were taking stopped in Motracio, Chernobyl, and then Como. So I went back, told them that they sucked back the double espresso, grabbed the kids, and were on the boat with us. And we're very grateful. That saved them another hour almost. And two more espressos and maybe a Valium for the for the father. <laughs> anyway, we had such a lovely day. And on top of it, we had a very good workout to all these private villas and hotels that we saw. Some of them were up quite a way, up the hills a bit. So we got a workout in. We had an amazing aperitivo hour. Sunshine, riding the boats up and down. It was Just a beautiful, perfect day. And the day wasn't over because we went up to a restaurant to meet some friends, local friends from Chernobyl. They're actually Danish as well, as I mentioned. Who would have ever thought that? I know, right? As I've mentioned in a previous episode, I just am like a magnet to Danes, and I've known these this family forever. Well, since I moved to Milano many years ago. So we had dinner with two of the girls and one of their sons. And it was amazing as also great to catch up, but also had caucho. Caucho pepe. Oh, that was really, really good. (laughs) Wasn't that the best? Yes. And we also had a bottle of wine from Le Marque, the region Le Marque, which probably has delicious cuisine and excellent wine as well. But I have driven through Le Marque, never stayed there, don't know anything about it per se, except for these friends that have now been going there since the last few years, especially during COVID. Every Northern Italian went to the most least populated areas and Le Marque is that. So they loved it. And now they've just turned us on to a red rosso wine from Le Marque. And I just want to say that this walk we did up to the villas and this walk we did up to the restaurants, <laughs> this is the first time in all my travels to Italy that La Capa has made my belt get tighter as opposed to looser. We've done a lot of walking. <laughs> I've worked off my pasta. I've earned my pasta. Uh, let's say that. You've earned your pasta. I've earned my pasta. <laughs> all right. So the next morning, we took the boat to Como after mixing up our morning cappuccino when we went to another patisseria, which 
has been there forever, but it's very bright and very formal. They have a lot of cordials. And I just thought, yeah, I like my other favorite places down the street. Instead, we went there and it was fantastic. Our cappuccino was great. You had a brioche. The people were really nice. And in the morning, their bright lights aren't as annoying as later in the day. And I had one thing about cappuccinos in Italy. I hadn't been here since Kitten Club 2, which was a year ago. And the the quality of the cappuccino, the creaminess of it, the texture is so smooth, it makes Starbucks look like, I, I don't know, it makes Starbucks... You can't even compare it to anything. No, you can't. But you, we have to. <laughs> because well, that's what we have in the States. It is so delicious that, to be honest, I don't put any sugar in my little cappuccino cappuccino in Italy because it's that flavorful. At home, I have to put one little spoonful of sugar. Regardless, we're digressing into our favorite things about eating and drinking in Bella Italia. So after our cappuccino, we then walked with our luggage, well, we took a boat, and in Tacoma, and we walked with our luggage to the train station, which is a very easy walk from the main boat dock to the big train station, San Giovanni, in Como, the town of Como. And it's an easy walk until you get to the steps. Yes. There's basically no other option except for cars to swing way around to the right or the left and get to the top of the train station. So we each have these backpacks, very stylish backpacks, I might add. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tommaso bought them on a shopping um, outing one day, came home with a feminine one and a masculine one, and they're perfect. You fit a lot in there and the weight's dispersed. So with our backpacks and our carry-on luggage, which is rather heavy, we jammed in as much as we could. We had to walk those steps and I should have counted, but it was like, whoa. It was, it was about 40 or 50. Oh, I think more than that. No. Oh, yes. I'll, I'll have my friend count and I'll let you know. <laughs> anyway, so we then, now this is a story I need to share with you to try and help people avoid what happened to us. Travel tip. Ding, 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 ding. Travel tip. Train travel tip. And let me just say, in case this is your first time listening in a while, our goal of this vacation, which we decided on rather last minute, was to not only see our friends and family in Copenhagen and then in Italy, but to meet with these managers of hotels and private properties, et cetera. But also, I decided we needed to take the trains and only the train because I have so many clients that prefer the train. They just don't care to drive. And I thought, I haven't been on a train enough in the last few years to really be able to um, share my experiences and suggest things. Other than, here's Train Italia's website, which is normally fantastic. So we get on this train. I bought the tickets at the window from a person, from a young lady, deliberately in this train station in Como, because I saw these very well-dressed gentlemen standing at the kiosk trying to buy their ticket into Milan, and the kiosk wasn't working. They were getting frustrated. They're Italians. And I thought, (laughs) okay, if it's not working for them, it's not going to work for me. And I can read Italian very well, so that wouldn't have been the problem, but 
they were having a hard time. So I waited in the line, bought the ticket, told her we wanted the regional train to Milan. It's 40 minutes. And she said, va bene, we pay for the ticket, however much it was, like five or 10 euro each. Then we get on the train, the track right there, said Milano, and and the time was like 10.25. We get on the train, and I thought to myself, well, that's a very nice train. Well, of course it was. It was coming from Switzerland, Svizzera. So we're sitting on the train, and then the ticket man came up. We had the paper ticket from the woman behind the window, and he said, no, mi dispiace, non è giusto. Incorrect ticket. You're on a fast, uh, fast track train from Switzerland to International Milano. train. So you owe another uh, 40 euro. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I kept explaining myself. I said, I told the woman. And then he finally looked at our paper ticket. And there had been two trains to Milano from Como. One at 10.25 and one at 10.20. Apparently, we got on the wrong one at 10.25 instead of 10.20. No, no. We got on the wrong one at 10.20. And the difference was 40 euros. Exactly. Five minutes and 40 bucks. And so we were sitting on one side of the train, and I was speaking in Italian, explaining our situation to the ticket man, and I had to pay him an additional 40 euros. Then he turns right next to me on my side is a Swiss German man who got in on the train somewhere north of Chiasso, which is in Switzerland. And that man, the same thing happened to him. He got on in Switzerland, but he paid for a regional train to Milan, but he was on this fast track train. And he was perfectly fluent in Italian, as they all are, in that bottom part of Switzerland. He, he was ticked off. He was so angry. He got louder and louder. And I just thought, you're not going to win. This guy is standing there until he gets the extra 20 or 40 euros. Very patient. Very patient. He was very nice and very, um, he explained things. He did not apologize. He just explained them. So begrudgingly, after like 20 minutes, that Swiss man finally paid up. And then he turned to the other two. Swiss people next to him and really just let loose, like, so mad. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, that is a lesson learned right there that I can share with people. I think you need to look at all the details on your ticket, the specific train number, regional, regionale is stands. Train number is very important, and not the just exact, the destination. And exactly. And the exact time of departure. Because in a in a place like that, let's say you are in Florence and you are going to Rome, there's a lot of trains going to Rome and they could be leaving a few minutes apart, just like what happened to us. So that is my travel tip recommendation. I made a mistake on basically our first train ride. <laughs> <laughs> then we got off in Milano Centrale, a big, crazy, busy insane train station. And I'm sure a lot of you have been there and it is famous for its architecture. It was commissioned by Mussolini right during, right before World War II. And it was his statement to the world, to Europe anyway. And I have to say, as bad of a reputation 
as it has because of Mussolini. In the days when I lived there, it was impressive. It was beautiful. It was clean. It was always kind of took your breath away when you walked into it, regardless of its bad rap. And we got off in the train. I was like, oh, in the station. I was so sad. It was dirty and dark and everything needed a big, what'd you call it? A power wash. It needed a big power wash. It was really depressing. So that's the state currently of Milano's Stazione Centrale. And it is multi, multi-layered now. So many signs, so many people. We had to well, come. It's, it's the holiday season and it was mayhem. Yes, it was complete mayhem. And we had to come meet a few hotel managers in Milano that afternoon. So we found the left luggage, which is way, way, way down, just to let you know, as far away as you could possibly get. It's the corner (laughs) of the, and they call it left luggage or bagali. And we're like walking and walking forever. And then Tom said, well, I don't know what, where it is, but there's a lot of people waiting for something. And that was it. So we chose to go into like the express line, which you pay double for. It's not really worth it, but I didn't want to be late to our meetings. Then you get out of there and then you had to buy another ticket to the metro to where we were going. And that was so crazy. In the end, we were like, forget it. Let's walk. It was not raining. It was nice. And so I just want to say that Milano Central Station is most likely always busy. Be prepared when you go in there. Just know it's going to be crazy. Know that you have to look for a lot of signs, even a baño. To find a baño in there is... Which is a bathroom. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Even that is difficult. And the train tracks themselves are very well labeled. I will say that. As I mentioned, we decided to walk because we couldn't deal with the line of the kiosk to buy a metro ticket or wait in the line for the billetteria person. And again, you're correct. It was December 26th. Yeah. And everyone in Milan, as the cab driver said today on the way to the hotel, is off until the 6th of January. Right. So they're all traveling. Every train was packed that we went on. Luckily, we made reservations. You know, I bought the tickets online. We got the last two seats, I think. Yes. That's another story. And I sat with a small Italian rap contingent. <laughs> Tupac has a lot of Tupac has a lot of fans here in Italy. And you know, I was in. Luckily, a whole, they get off in Genoa. I was in an entire another car, and we kept texting each other on WhatsApp. <laughs> he said, "Half of the rap guys are." Um, yes, they, uh, he said. You texted, and you said, "Half of the rap guys." Uh, train tickets are somewhat suspect. <laughs> and they were kicked off. They got kicked off in La Spezia. <laughs> they got kicked off. It was really good to see because they were they were actually quite polite. In the end, they they didn't they, oh, they, they had a Bluetooth speaker going with rap music on the platform and I was like Before oh God. I know, Before right? boarding, I'm like, oh God, we'd be in the I same car. I hope we don't sit with them and not even the same car. You were in the middle of that. In the middle. The guy was sitting across from me. <laughs> But that was today, so let's... No, no, but they were actually, they were all quiet, they all had their headsets on. Oh, good. They were quite polite when people came by. Until they got kicked off. Well, those people got kicked off. They argued, they tried to make their case, and they lost. They got kicked <laughs> off in La Spezia. And the other, the other group, because they were all going to Genoa, going back to college, they were all like, eh, so the hell with <laughs> them. We're on the train, goodbye. <laughs> 
well, that was today's situation, but back to um, our first day in Milano with that train ride. After our few meetings in Milano, we went back, got on the train to Bologna. And then from Bologna, when we, that's a quick ride, that was easy, crowded, but easy. And we did have train reservations with seats. So that was great. And then from the very organized and clean train station in Bologna. Beautiful train station. And where we exited was right at a taxi stand, which is also very organized, just like today. So we took a taxi to the accommodations we were staying in, in Bologna at Piazza Santo Stefano. So keep in mind, this is Tommaso's first time to Bologna. And you know how we have discussed Ragù Bolognese. I was going to the altar of Bolognese. (laughs) (laughs) I was an altar boy. (laughs) Going to the altar. Of Ragù. Oh. However, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this was somewhat of a last minute decision to come on this trip. And then I just threw the options out to Tommaso and said, where do you want to go? You know, we're going to be in these few places and then, you know, work related. And then where would you like to go? He said, Bologna. So when I went to look for the places I prefer to stay in Bologna, all full, just completely booked. And I thought, all right, well, we'll at least find a place in my favorite area, which happens to be around Piazza Santo Stefano. So we did find a place. It was fine. It was an ancient, ancient old palazzo with the door. The door to get into the courtyard was probably fourteen or fifteen feet tall, and it had this little door which was like six a square cut out that not square. I'm sorry, a rectangle out that they did. You know, like eight hundred years later, right? So when they tiring when they shut it, yeah, it would be tiring. You'd get a workout, but it was beautiful location in one of this wonderful piazza. And it was, we went for location over everything else. Exactly. Kim, Kimberly wanted me to experience waking up and looking at the towers in Bologna, which yes, we did. this place has an amazing view of the two most prominent towers. So we went directly there, dropped our stuff off and walked him around because, I should say, and I walked Tommaso around because... The end of this trip, we only had like two full days and two nights in Bologna, two full days and two nights in Lucca, which I know is what I don't recommend people do. I think you enjoy a place more when you stay longer. So we were doing exactly- Don't do as I do, do as I say. (laughs) We were doing exactly what I don't recommend, but we just wanted to, or let me preface, I wanted to show Tommaso two places that I knew he would really love. So as kind of crazy and busy as it was to jam all that in, in almost only five days, it was worth it. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't do it again. But in this case, we did. And it was great. But I wanted to take advantage of every minute. So we dropped our stuff off in this old palazzo. And I said, let's go. You have to see Piazza Maggiore. You have to see everything. And so we started walking around. And it was so beautiful and so festive. Yes. It was the 26th we were there, the evening of the 26th. So right after Christmas, right before New Year's Eve, so many people, so many lights, and they 
light the buildings just like they did in Luca with colored lights and, you know, other little white lights everywhere. So I showed him the basics, but knowing we had another full day and a half to show him everything else during the day. And then the goal for that evening, your first night, his first night in Bologna in his life. Ragu. Ragu. So I had looked at a lot of food blogger sites. I took the recommendations of every Michelin star chef's opinion on the best local place for ragu. And then put them all on a dartboard and threw a dart. Well, I decided let's try this place because everyone that wrote about it said it's a locals hangout. It's hard to find. Hard to find. (laughs) And good luck getting a table. So I didn't tell Tommaso that part. I was like, let's do it. So we started walking. We got lost. It's very easy to get lost in a city like Bologna, Luca, Rome, anywhere. If you're looking at Google Maps, it just, as I've mentioned this before. Does not refresh as fast as one would like. Right. So you, you know, we actually walked for probably like 10 minutes in the wrong direction And then I thought, oh, it's getting, you know, a little late. I wonder if we'd, thinking that all Italians will eat dinner at nine, like a dinner reservation would be at nine, hardly earlier. So I was thinking, okay, we have to go. I I screwed up. We have to go backwards. So I found a taxi. He took us there. Taxi driver. I'm not very religious, but I really was going (laughs) to make the sign of the cross. I was hoping... I was hoping we weren't going to die. You need you need to lubricate both sides of a car going down through some of these streets, quote unquote, streets in Bologna. There are cars on both sides parked, and this guy had a lead foot, and we kept looking at one another going, are we actually going to make this? Am I actually going to have Bolognese? I actually was more worried about, at one point, he almost hit a mother pushing a baby carriage. I mean, he was crazy. So we finally got off. Whew, Got to this little teeny place on a street that there was nothing else. I was like, this is it. Let's go in. We walk in. There was one... One couple eating. One couple at a big table. All the other tables were large, like set for 10 or 12 people. And and, and first, let me just say, there was hardly any sign on the door. There was, was a little one. A, a li- hardly any. Yeah. It wasn't lit up in any shape or form. You walked down. The first thing you saw when you walked in this place was boxes of wine, like boxes of bottles of wine. And then you walked in and the ceiling was vaulted in brick, mm-hmm. looked like it had been there forever. And It has been. I know. <laughs> but, you know, immediately you knew you were in a local spot. Yes. There was no, there was no, first of all, there's no way anyone who didn't research it and who wasn't willing to die to get there <laughs> with the cab well, was, was going to be there. If you was could going, find it on your own. to be there. Right. Maybe that's why it was hard on Google Maps because it's just in the craziest little tangled neighborhood. Anyway, all of a sudden this very um, kind Port, of- Portly. Portly, very well said. Portly, obvious owner- little out of breath, a little sweaty sweaty and sloppy came up. He's like, see? It's like, buonasera, è possibile per avere una tavola per due, per cena, per favore. Is it possible we could have a table for two? And he goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just stared at me. He didn't look away or anything. He goes, no. No, it wasn't like, you know, wait or let me see. It was like, no. 
I was expecting that maybe he would say something like, well, we're completely, you know, booked. Uh, These are all reserved. But instead he just says, no. Meanwhile, there's about 40 seats, 50 seats. There's maybe uh, eight tables, if that. Right. And there were only two people eating in the whole place. So I should have said, or I meant to say, oh, is it because these are all reserved? And and instead I just looked at him. I was so taken back by him. I go, come my, meaning... Why? Why not? Why can't we have a table? And then he just stared at me. I said, please. So again, in Italian, I said, this is my husband's first time in Bologna, and he wants to have ragu in the birthplace. And I've read so much that you and this Osteria have the best ragu. And he just stared at me, sweats trickling down, <laughs> down one side, both sides really and then he turned and looked at that young Italian couple sitting at a large table, like yeah, the six th- or eight people could have sat yes, at that table. It yes. was kind of like a dining room table in someone's house, basically. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. rest were more like a restaurant. Under a very bright light, I will say. And all of a sudden he yells to them across the across the restaurant, do you mind if these two sit down with you? And they're like, certo, ma certo, non c'è problema. So we went and sat down. I said, thank you very much. I explained the same thing to them. And they said, you're in the right place. So there we were, four of us in this restaurant. There was no music. There was no ambiance per se yet, but the, you know, the... The The ambiance was the rather eclectic experience we were having. Yes, but also... The building that you were in, the the architecture, the vaulted ceilings. And they had a couple people working there who were just like also sweating, working, cooking, bringing things up and back, getting ready for the dinner. And it was about 8.30 and table by table, table of 10, table of 12, and then one table. Oh yeah. Remember then this very nice looking couple about our age walked in and I heard the owner go, Merda, ho fatto errore. He said, Oh shit, I made a mistake. <laughs> he forgot about that couple having a reservation. So he starts moving. Well, they had a table set up for probably 12 or 14. Right. And he took one of the small tables away. Away. And then jammed, jammed the others yes. up. <laughs> he jammed this couple in and they're just standing there waiting for like 10 minutes for this to happen. And we thought, This place is quirky. I hope it's good. Anyway, we finally get, well, they gave us a little appetizer, like crostini with all different kinds of meats and vegetables. And we ordered a beautiful bottle of wine. And then Tommaso's ragu came. And meanwhile, now the place is almost full. And you could see we were the only foreigners. So the place is full. They all start chatting. So there's more noise and ambiance. And then Tommaso's ragu arrived. And I took a video of it. First bite in yes. the birthplace of ragu bolognese. And in the birthplace of ragu bolognese, you're going to get 20 different versions wherever you go. Everyone's got their own version of it. Some people add celery. Some people add carrots. Some people add milk. You know, when they cook the meat down, you never know. It's like, which supermodel do you want to date? <laughs> Jeez. That's the choice, right? I mean, it's not like... They're all good. They're they're all good. (laughs) So this was my first experience, and it was a wonderful ragu. It was fresh pasta. It was just fabulous. But it was different. It was very different than the ones that I make. It's very different than the ones I've heard about. 
But and it, it's very, it was different from the next two or three you had while we were in Bologna. See. <laughs> so in the end, I just, FYI, by the way. You had a cheese bomb. I had a, no, not that night. Oh, that night. You're right. I right, had right. a ravioli stuffed with broccoli. That sounds boring. It was not. It was so good. And I ate all of it, which I regret because then I was really full for like two days. It was absolutely delicious. So simple, yet so good. And and I just want to point out, during this time eating, several people came in who were obviously locals. They were all locals. And they asked for a table. And he just oh, said, yeah, right. and he said, no. Nope. <laughs> Not like you can wait for 10 minutes. You can wait for 20 minutes. Nope. They got the same response yes. we did. So yes. that made me feel good. I felt like a local. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say that I thought about it as we witnessed this evening in this quirky little osteria. And we thought, you know, this is all he wants to do. Right. He doesn't need to turn over tables. He took a reservation for nine o'clock. Maybe there were 40 people total that He's he made dinner for. He's not looking to franchise or scale. Exactly. <laughs> so he probably made 40 meals and that was it. Yep. And then they closed. Yep. It was awesome. It was wonderful. He was actually very happy when, when he asked if we wanted dessert. And you said no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, good. He did. It was. So, I was like, I can't eat dessert. I'm so full because I ate uh, the whole ravioli. But also, every other table that came in, he went and sat oh, down right. with people each right. time. To take a load off, so really. So it, it, it was a show. <laughs> it was an absolute eccentric right. show of watching this guy as... The manager of the front of house, owner. He's the owner, yeah. Right, right, right. But he was also doing the front of house mm-hmm. at the same time. And it was just a show. I mean, he was it was entertaining. And we were laughing. Hopefully, he didn't think we were laughing at him. We were no. laughing. He was very nice in the end. Yeah. I asked him to come back to make a future reservation. How would I do that? And he looks at me and goes, what's up? It's like, I'm <laughs> in it. So that was your first, that was Tommaso's first experience with ragu. And from there, we walked back to Piazza Maggiore because I could find, I had my bearings by then and we needed to walk off that dinner. Mm -hmm. And you could see the lights from afar. And then you could see the Asinelli and the Garisenda towers lit up and it was lovely. So we just walked and walked and walked around. And saw it in a different light just a couple hours later in the dark. And as we've mentioned a million times, how Italians light their architecture from outside is so visually enriching. You just... And it was Christmas. It was right after Christmas. And all the Christmas lights were still up. It was really wonderful walking back. And, you know, you walk down these dark streets. There's no one on them but you. And you don't feel any way, shape, or form. Like you're in danger. You feel completely comfortable. Yes. And I think that's basically the vibe I get every time I go to a city in Italy. One of my favorite things to do is walk and walk and walk late, late into the night. You see some, you see everything in a different way. Some of the architecture stands out more because of the way it's lit and there's less people. So obviously you see everything better. And I will say that Everyone was so in such a festive mood. Mm-hmm. And just like the last few days, well, in that case, it was right after Christmas. But the last few days in Luca and here in Milano, 
everyone nonstop. Buon anno, buon anno. If you just bought a, you know, a metro ticket or a cappuccino, buon anno. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. So it's very festive feeling and everyone's collectively sharing the same happy holiday mood. La Capa is obviously in a very good mood. And could chat all night. And could chat all night, but we have to stop here. We have dinner reservations We have dinner downstairs reservations downstairs. At Don Carlos Restaurant. Yes. <gasps> I went here. I came to Don Carlos Restaurant. Okay. Oh, never mind. Okay. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that again. <laughs> all right. We have to sign off. I've rambled on again. Well, our next episode then we will pick up In with... Bologna. Bologna and then Luca. Okay. okay. And... Thank you very, very much for all the emails and Instagram messages we've gotten in the last few weeks over the holidays. Grazie mille tutti and ciao ciao da Milano. Ciao ciao.